Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Unexpected Hauntings. Today's episode is going to be mostly about skinwalkers. And we're going to probably go more in depth of what a skinwalker is because I know it can be a broad spectrum and um, that skinwalkers most likely be mistaken for wendigos. So I'll probably talk about the differences between a skinwalker and a wendigo for you guys if you want. Um, but really, really cool stories today, guys. Um, the first story is going to be called The Stalker. It's a story about a man, all in black, that stalks a group of friends at a hotel on spring break. Really creepy stuff right there. And um, the second one is going to be My New Apartment. Um, and it's a story about a guy that moves into a Victorian house that is on a road called Dead Man's Lane. And you'll learn why it's called Dead Man's Lane within that story. And lastly, of course, the Skinwalker story. I was claimed by a Skinwalker, part one and two. And these guys were nice enough to share this story for us. Uh, make sure to hit that subscribe button on um, Apple Podcasts and listen to us on Spotify. Of course, you can write into us on unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com. And get ready for an eye-opening podcast that we will have you on the edge of your seat. These stories have been approved by my friends to be told, and now they will be shared with you. Listen, if you dare. What's going on, everyone? Ben Shields here, and you're listening to... And that it is, everyone. Welcome back again to Unexpected Hauntings. Um, we are really excited about this episode. Uh, it's not many episodes where you hear about um, skinwalkers, or um, or even we're going to talk about the differences between, of course, the skinwalkers and wendigos. So this will be a little bit different for you guys. Um, and the stories are great, great stories. Um, that a couple of my friends I picked up for up from them um, and yeah they're just awesome but uh, remember to write us a review on um, Apple podcast if you will um, also of course we're on Spotify and um, also if you can just write into us on unexpected haunting 739 at gmail.com write in your stories there um, love to hear back from you guys I've been getting some write-ins on some great stories um not so long ago um but yeah right on there or you can also write on my reddit account which is uh podcast um and we'd just love to hear some feedback from you guys of what you think about this podcast and um what you'd like to improve i'm always looking for ways to improve this podcast um so yeah, I guess without further ado, I'll start with the first story. It's called the Stalker, and um, it's got a little bit of a, a little bit of a uh, bone-chilling end to it, if you will. So here we go, the Stalker. I was 16, and me and my friends, I'll call Evan and Jake, wanted to rent a hotel for the night since it was spring break. We got to the hotel and checked in. It had a real funky smell, but we still stayed there. 
Once we got to our room, it was about 3 p.m., so we decided to go swimming. The pool was downstairs, departed from the hotel. Once we got to the entrance, there was a man at least six foot three in all black with a hood covering his face and facing us. I panicked a little, but not out loud. We got into the pool and swam for a few hours until we saw that man again, all black, sitting in a chair by the pool. I cleared my throat. <clears> throat> um, can I help you, sir? I asked. No response. I still was a little paranoid. I put my face in the water and at the bottom of the pool was another figure that was all black. I screamed like a little girl and ran for the door. I looked back and saw nothing but the guy in the chair or the guy under the pool. My friends thought I was just seeing things, but I saw what I, what I saw as, the wa- as clear as water. I didn't feel like swimming anymore, so I decided to get dinner at a nearby restaurant with the guys. I got a table for me and my friends to sit at, and there I saw, once again, the man all in black on the other side of the dining room, and he was staring at me. I've had enough. I went over there and lost track of him, and he took off. After we ate, I decided this trip has gone too far, and we should leave tomorrow morning, but my friends didn't like that idea. Once it was 10.30, me and my friends dozed off to the hotel room. I woke up to some noises. I saw a shadow of a figure at the end of my bed. I calmed myself down and told myself that it was my hat that I put there before I went to bed. Excuse me. I went to bed and got woken up again 30 minutes later to more noises. I was getting thirsty, so I reached under the bed and tried to grab my water bottle, but I grabbed something instead. I was totally shocked at what I grabbed. It was my hat. I was not ever more scared in my life. I couldn't help but to scream at the top of my lungs when I heard a voice to my ear say, You're a bitch. I jumped out of bed and realized it was two men in black right there. I tried to fight them off, but it was but once they grabbed me and dragged me out of the room. I tried to scream, but that guy was covering my mouth. I passed out and woke in a, in a stretcher. It turned out those guys knifed me while I was passed out and someone caught them. But the doctor said no one could catch the guys who got me. To this day, I always have a nightlight at night, so I'm not scared. Wow. What a insane story. Holy shit. Um, the stalker. So pretty much this, these people... Um, makes me wonder if the same people that, that harmed that person actually um, were the ones stalking the person or... Um, they were different people it makes me wonder because they were all dressed in black it makes me wonder if it was all those those two people or not um that's kind of weird to be just chilling in the bottom of the pool all dressed in black uh you don't hear about that very often and it doesn't sound like it's shadow people it sounds like it's real people so it might not be a ghost story but still pretty bone chilling at the end to know that you've been knifed to death. Um, and you lived through it. 
that is quite quite a story right there um all right guys um and if you guys have any questions about these stories that i write about just email me at unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com we'd love to hear back from you from these stories and um if you have any stories that are related to this or close to this uh please contact us we'd love to share some stories on here i know it's been kind of bone dry lately with the stories but i've been loving 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 on feedback so we're gonna go into this uh second story it's called my new apartment and um it's pretty cool about a guy that um basically moves out into a victorian house and uh he really doesn't know what he's getting into so um here we go my new apartment my name is Nicholas Abernathy. My friends call me Nick. I'm 32 years old with a very, very, very sound mind. I'm not crazy. Although crazy people don't know they're crazy, I am 99% sure I am not. About a year ago, I lived at 253 Dead Man's Lane in a small town in Delaware. I can't remember the name. But that is where the story takes place. There's a reason they call it Dead Man's Lane. I know that now. I don't live there anymore. I now reside at an undisclosed location due to the events that occurred at my previous residence. I don't want them to know where I am. I hope you understand. The town was a very small town. A one stoplight town. A town so small that if you blink while driving through, you'll miss the whole entire town, which was perfect for me. It was a welcomed escape from the hustle and bustle of city life, which was slowly draining me to the point of exhaustion. So when my boss at this time came to me and said that our company was downsizing and that I would be let go, I gladly took the severance package and moved on with my life. I grew up in a small town, so I was familiar with the quiet and simplicity that it offered, and I longed to go back there again. So while sitting in the big city apartment, I grabbed my laptop and started to search small town living, houses for sale, and things of that sort. I came upon an old Victorian house built in 1859. It was beautiful, dark blue with dark gray trim, two floors, balcony front porch and a very small room at the top of the house with an octagon shaped window in it for some unknown reason i've always wanted to live in such a house so this was like a dream come true the price wasn't bad actually pretty good low some might say so i called the number displayed in the ad and made arrangements with the other gentleman on the other end to come view the house three days later Upon arriving at the house, it looked just like the picture in the ad, except there was one small detail the ad did not say. The house was in the middle of a giant dirt field all by itself. No trees or shrubbery around, just a dirt field. That time of year, some farmer should have had corn or something growing in a field that big, but there was nothing. This struck me as kind of odd. The only thing besides the house's on the, in the field was one electric pole with wires running from it to the house and a transformer on top. The driveway was at least a quarter 
mile long with other road branch with uh, sorry with other little roads branching off of it going to certain parts of the field and connecting back to the main driveway one road wrapped around the whole entire house it seems like forever to get there once there I met an old man who says his name was Bernie or Benny or something with a B. I can't remember. Um, he said he was the owner of the house and that I could feel free to look around if I wanted. I asked if he was coming in. His face turned pale and he said, No, I'll stay right here, thank you. Looking back now, that should have been a red flag. An owner that would not go in his own house. Red flag alert, but I was na naive, blow, blow, blew it off, and entered the house alone. I accepted it to be a little run down and dirty, given the dirt field that surrounded it. But to my surprise, it was immaculately clean, completely furnished, and looking like something straight out of a magazine. I went through each room in total awe of its beauty each room except the little room with the octagon window. I couldn't find a door or staircase leading to it. This too, I found a little odd. In the basement, I've never been a big fan of basements, so I figured I'll go check out at some point. What's the big deal? It's a basement. I met up with the old man outside and we discussed and agreed on a price. He informed me that everything in the house was included in the deal under one condition. No furniture could be removed from the house or moved to another part of the home. Everything must stay exactly where it is. You may use any of the appliances, books, and things of that sort, but they must be returned exactly the way they are. You may add to it, but nothing can be removed, given that all the furniture and such was from the Victorian era. I thought, why get rid of all this, and agreed to his, his condition, an agreement I would later regret. I'm going to skip the part about going to the bank and financing and all that crap. No one really cares about that anyways. So, moving on with the story. Moving in day was exciting for me. I finally got to the house of my dreams. I just started a new job. I'm back to quiet life. I left all my furniture and stuff in my old apartment, only packing my clothes and toiletries. I figured maybe the next guy or girl could use some of it. Anyways, I met the old man at the house. I'm just going to call him Mr. B for now, since I can't seem to remember his name. I later found out that Mr. B lived just two blocks away with his wife of 43 years old, Isabel. I never got the chance to meet Is Isabel, although I wish I had. He was an old steel mill worker, and you can tell from his physique. He may have been old, but the man had muscle. He had bought the house some 30 years back with the same conditions that he had told me. He never lived in this place said it troubled his wife immensely from the first day she saw it. He tried to sell it many times before, but the deals always fell for someone... Um, sorry. But the deals always fell through for some reason. 
Until then, Mr. B handed me the keys, and as he did, he grabbed hold of my hand hard and pulled me to him and whispered something right in my ear. And he whispered, Beware of the rain. There's a reason he said that to me. I know that now. He then hung his head down and slowly walked away. How he knew, I don't know, but he did. My first couple of weeks in the new house were rather uneventful. The weather was nice with a slight breeze, even opened a couple of windows upstairs to get some airflow in there. I had asked Mr. P Mr. B about opening the windows. He said that was fine since they were a part of the house and not possessions within the house. So I left them open for a few days. On my first night, since the place was fully furnished, I hung my clothes, which took all of 20 minutes. I put my shampoos and such in the master bathroom, which was almost as big as my bedroom. Then went to the local grocery store for some food and drinks. I can't remember the name. It's not really important. I spent rest of the time checking each room one by one, seeing everything the house had to offer. About a week or so later, I finally found that door that led to the little room with the octagon window. It was a secret door panel hidden in the closet room that I decided to make my bedroom. For some unknown strange reason, something told me to push the back of the closet. I did. The door swung open, open, opening, revealing a spiral black metal staircase that led to the said room. It was a very small room, the size of a walk-in closet by today's standards. In said room was a very old desk positioned just under the octagon window and a stand-up lamp to its left. Old wood planks for walls as well as the ceiling. The floor was what looked like to be brand new hardwood. So I decided to make it my office, the place I would do my writing. Since I had a great view of the dirt held in the window, what better place to draw inspiration from? That's a joke, by the way. The rest of the house consisted of five bedrooms, a huge kitchen, a parlor, a living area, three full bathrooms, a study, and a basement. Oh, that basement. I decided to check it out one night. I was bored and needed something to do. That was a bad idea. The basement was kind of creepy. I'm lying. It was really creepy. The door to the basement had little holes all along the edges, top, bottom, and right side of the door like someone had nailed it shut at one point. The stairs leading down to the basement were old and rickety and would probably fall apart at any given moment. Unlike the rest of the house, that was immaculately clean like I not noted in previous patched passages. The basement, however, was not. There was dust and dirt and cobwebs everywhere. It had a strange odor. I didn't know what at the time it was, but I do now. Along the far wall, there was a series of five file cabinets covered in dust over to the right. It looked like two metal surgical tables covered with white sheets. In the middle of these tables, there was a small stand with a large glass container with tubes running out of it and some kind of pump machine behind it. All of the knives, gloves, and masks scattered all over the floor. It looked like no one had been down here for ages. I ran up the stairs as quickly as I could, shut the basement door, and never went down there again. What was that place? About a month or so went by. All this time, I couldn't get 
what Mr. B whispered to me on the day I moved in out of my head. So every morning while drinking my coffee, I really missed my coffee by the way. Anyway, I would check the weather app on my phone to see these conditions for the day. On that day, it was going, going to be partly cloudy with a 60% chance of rain. Okay, maybe. Now we'll see what happens when, and there's, maybe now we'll see what there's to be afraid of. Just like the app said, it started to rain about 4 p.m. It didn't last long, but that's how it all started. I was in my office. The rain started to fall. Almost as soon as it did, I started to hear music. Not today's music, but orchestra music. Big band music. I didn't have a radio up there. I'm in the middle of a field, so it couldn't be a car. I started to get concerned. Where was it coming from? I walked down the spiral staircase to my room, still hearing it play. I walked into the hallway and to room across from mine. As soon as I put my hand beside the doorknob, it stopped. The rain did too. That was weird, I thought. Must have been my imagination. The rain hitting the gutters somehow making the acoustic sounds of music in the house. Something. There had to be a reason. After a while, st I stopped thinking about it and went on with my, my night. A few days later, I ran into Mr. B at the hardware store. I told him about what happened. He didn't su seem surprised. He just said, I tried to tell you and left. The day that changed my life forever happened about two weeks later. I was at work. I had taken an assistant manager position at a local department store. The pay wasn't as good as my previous job, but I wasn't as stressful either. During my shift, this guy came up to me out of nowhere and asked, You own the old Bennett place out on Dead Man's Lane, don't you? I was reluctant to answer, but I finally said, Yes, yes I do. He was a big guy, biker, biker type, 50-ish, with long gray hair and tats. He said, you're braver than I am. I wouldn't go near that place. I hope you found Jesus. You're going to need him. The ride home that day was unsettling. Everything that happened was starting to get to me. I was nervous. Nervous to go home. After this guy said what Mr. B said, and the music thing that weird music weird basement music I was on edge on edge so much that when I walked through the door instead of placing my keys on the shelf by the door I tossed my keys hitting a small ceramic ballerina knickknack off the shelf and breaking it oh shit I said sound loudly something was not only been moved but broken there was no way to put it back then I heard it, a slow growling sound like a wild animal coming from the basement door, from the kitchen, then from upstairs, then from everywhere. I couldn't take it anymore. I grabbed my head and fell to my knees, falling over into the fetal position. I started screaming, stop, stop, I'm sorry, please stop. It didn't stop, it got louder and louder. From the floor I couldn't see the basement door open quickly, then slam shut. All the doors were doing it now, except in the front door that remained closed for some reason. I felt a very cold breeze go right through my body. Every light in the house turned on and off, on and off. I managed to get off my feet, get 
sorry, get to my feet, running down the hallway toward the kitchen. The man, the main floor bathroom door flung open, hitting me hard and knocking me backwards down the hallway. I lost my footing and fell to the floor. I must have hit my head, because the next thing I remember was waking up on the floor, hearing the sound of my doorbell buzzing over and over again. All was silent and calm except for the buzzing. The buzzing soon turned to loud pounding upon the front door. I pulled myself together to answer the door when I heard, Nick, Nick, I know you're in there, Nicholas. Answer the damn door. I opened the door quickly only to see Mr. B standing there, shaking, sweating, not nearly the composed man I knew. There's a really bad storm coming. We got to get out of here. I can't with all good conscience let you stay here alone we gotta go now the storm clouds moved in fast at a speed i've never seen before thunder started to roar i tried to explain to mr b that i had broken a knickknack in his panic state he said that the last the least of your worries let's go the rain started falling hard lightning was crashing as the thunder roared on that music started playing again only this time Mr. B heard it as well. Then what happens next seems like something out of a bad horror movie. The house seems to suck Mr. B into it, nearly knocking me down into the process and sliding him fast across the floor, slamming him into the table that laid against the adjacent wall, breaking the leg of the table and forcing it to crash to the floor. Another thing broken. The front door slammed with a force so hard that it broke the front two windows completely out, allowing the rain to pour into the house. I quickly ran over to make sure that Mr. B was okay. Son of a bitch, it's too late. We're never going to get out of here, Mr. B said angrily. The, growing, the growling started again, only this time seemed it was right in front of us. I felt a real bad burning on my left arm, lifting my sleeve to see what it was. I was three scratch, it was three scratch marks with blood dripping from the third. Mr. B grabbed a hold of his neck after lifting his hand. I noticed the same three scratches, only this time all of them were bleeding, bleeding bad. The house is coming alive, he screamed. Upstairs, we must get upstairs. A lightning bolt hit the electric pole outside, causing the house to go black. Now in total darkness, hearing that music, that growling, and both of us bleeding, I quickly pulled out of my out my phone to turn on the light so we could see at least by that. Mr. B's phone was broken from the crash. I turned on my light on my only to notice the cellar door slowly opening by itself, the growling getting louder and what appeared to be a black mass of goo pouring from the basement door and heading in our direction fast. I screamed, look out. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I screamed, look out, and grabbed Mr. B by the arm and pulled him out of the way, barely escaping the goo. We frantically ran upstairs. What should have been 20 to 25 steps seemed more like 30 to 40. This house was alive, Mr. B.L. Finally reaching to the top, I shined the light down the hallway of doors that was the second floor. The hallway seemed to be longer than I remembered with extra doors that I had never seen before. 
The walls were expanding and contracting like the house was breathing. There was a red substance resembling blood down the walls. My bedroom was at the end of the hallway. Mr. B and I made a run for the last run for the last door on the left. My bedroom. We ran and we ran and ran, and just as the red goo was about to hit the floor, I arrived at my bedroom door, grabbing the knob and opening it quickly. Looking back, hopping to see, hoping to see Mr. P, Mr. B right behind me, but unfortunately he was not. Shining my light down the hallway, I could see that he was about a quarter of the way from the door, running as fast as he could, but getting nowhere. It was like he was running on the treadmill. The red substance oozed down onto the floor and quickly made a beeline straight for Mr. B. I screamed, Give me your hand! I stretched my hand out as far as I could. Mr. B extended his, but it was too late. The red substance reached his shoe. Mr. B screamed in agony as the substance began to burn him. The smell of burning flesh filled the hallway. As more of the substance reached him, Mr. B ignited it into flames. I could still hear his screams in my head. I only lasted a few seconds and then it was gone. And so, my friend Mr. B was gone. I quickly ran into my room from out of my bedroom window. I could see what appeared to be flames. When the lightning hit the pole, it must have caused the transformer to catch fire, igniting the house as well. The outside of the house was burning, but not the inside. The rain wasn't stopping either. What the hell is this place? Shining my light back into the room, I could see the shadows and the shape of people appearing in the walls. Some short, small, tall. When the voices started, the women saying, I'm so cold. A little girl saying, Mommy. And an old man saying, Help, help me. I quickly ran to my office, the only place left to go. From out of the window, I could see the rain pouring down, lightning bolts um, lightning, lighting up the sky. The voices continued down below. I could, see, I could see the rain had fallen so hard and fast that it washed away all the dirt from the field, exposing skeletal remains all around the house. Then it hit me. Oh my god, this is not a house. It is an old funeral home building on a cemetery grounds. They must have removed the, the headstones and left the bodies. That would explain everything. In shock, I stepped backwards, my back hitting the wall and sliding down into a sitting position. My phone had fallen to the floor. The light just so happened to be shining on the doorway of the, to the room. I mumbled to myself. I didn't know. I didn't know. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see a black mass in the shape of a person crawling through the doorway and over to me, shrieking a horrible sound. It reaching its hand like, like, thong, out at, okay, this is, okay, this is worded wrong, <laughs> shrieking is horrible sound, it reached its hand, um, I think it, he meant to say it's reaching his hand out as far as he could to choke me, yeah. Totally exhausted, I put my hands over my eyes and screamed as the shadows engulfed the room. Somebody, somewhere, must have seen the flames and called the fire department. From speaking with my landlord and the police officers, I gathered 
that when they found me, I was in the basement, lying in one of the tables, mumbling to myself. I don't recall any of that. Mr. B's body was never recovered. I had told this story to the police and some guy dressed like Judge Judy, and they all looked at me like I was crazy. But I am not crazy. I like my new apartment. It's kind of small, like a studio apartment. I got a bed and a dresser, a nightstand and a lamp. Best of all, the rent is free. I don't have to work anymore. My neighbors are nice. I like a little quirky, if you ask me, but nice nonetheless. There's a TV that we share in the living room, a game room, where we get gathered together to play cards and ping pong games of that sort. I have my own bathroom, which is nice. Food is included. It's mostly just mush, but it's still food. Security is here. Security here is tight. There are cameras everywhere, and there are rules. If you break those rules, the landlord will move you to much, a much smaller apartment with no windows, but gives get, but gives you this very cool jacket to wear, and lets you hug yourself. I like that jacket. There are a bunch of nice ladies that come by every day giving us these little pieces of candy. Sometimes they're different colors, but mostly white. Sometimes they even come at night. Oh, I gotta, I gotta go now. It's bedtime. I'm excited. Tomorrow we go outside. Good night. <laughs> wow. What an insane story. Um, so, at the very end... Obviously, he is in some part of a insane asylum, sounds like, um, with uh, free rent. Um, of course, he has roommates. They give him this white pill. Um, so it looks like he went to the cuckoo's nest, <laughs> pretty much. But um, that is a pretty, pretty wild story, uh, driven out really well. Um, I think that it could even be brought into a horror movie. Um, it really sucks about what happened to his neighbor, Mr. B. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, if you guys have any comments uh, related to this story, uh, again, write into unexpectedhauntings739 uh, at gmail.com. And sorry, guys, if I get tongue-tied while reading this. Um, some of it I didn't properly um, um, look at, and um, it's worded wrong or different, so I've got to kind of like read around it, so that is another reason why, but on to our main story. Um, it's called I Was Claimed by a Skinwalker, and I was going to tell you about the differences between skinwalkers and wendigos, of course. Um, of course, the skinwalker... It's uh, said to be a witch that has the ability to possess um, a person or it can disguise themselves into animals. Now that is where it gets, gets um, easily mistaken as a wendigo because a wendigo, it's an evil spirit that has horns and it's in the shape of an animal. Um, so just keep that in mind. A, a skinwalker is a witch. A wendigo is an animal. So... Um, it can be easily mistaken because it can take the shape of me. But anyways, let's go into this. Um, and this actually has two parts. Um, 
and it's pretty long as well. But you know, it's it's a great story. Though I think that you guys will really enjoy this. So let's go into it. I was claimed by a skinwalker. I'm Jake, a 22-year-old male currently attending Clemson University in Clemson, South Carolina. Seeing as it's my last year at the university before I graduate, my friends and I planned a camping trip for the last week of school. The hardest part was fitting everyone in my Jeep, but we managed. What the hell is that, Chase? I asked, already knowing the answer. A blunt, duh. Chase was the stoner of the group, because every group just has to have one. He was a chubby, little white boy, about 5'8", with brown hair, pulled up in a bun, and just enough chin hair to look like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Damn it, man. You're not gonna hotbox my car, I exclaimed. I would shake my head in disbelief if I wasn't so used to it. I agreed with Jakey. At least save it for when we get there, Blair chimed in. Blair was the most playful one in the group, at least around me. She was about 5'6", with fair skin, long red hair, light freckles around the bridge of her nose, and bright green eyes. Thanks, Blair, I said with a sigh of relief. She smiled at me and went back to playing whatever um, choose-your-own-adventure game she had recently installed. We didn't even make it five minutes without another argument in my back seat. I let out another sigh. It's going to be a long week. When we arrived at the forest, I made sure to do a head count in case we lost anyone at a rest stop. Okay, there's Blair and Chase staying as far away from each other as possible. <laughs> there's Aljo. Aljo. I guess that's how you say that. Aljo. Aljo was a really muscular guy with dark skin who stood around 6'2 with a dark high top hairstyle and a well-maintained beard. And there's Corey, by far the nicest person in our group. Corey stood at 5'3", had caramel-colored skin and curly brown hair that framed his face nicely. So, Jake, what are we waiting for? She asked in the nicest way possible. Let's go, go enjoy the great outdoors. I half expected her to end up singing to the little woodland creatures on our way there. No point in delaying it any longer, I guess. While we were scouting out the forest for a good campsite, I felt strangely calm. There's just something about being in the woods that feels so serene. The birds singing their sweet songs as the sunlight reflects through the beads of dew on the leaves is just so relaxing. My moment of peace was interrupted, however. Something was off. It was just enough for you to notice, but not enough to pinpoint. I stopped walking and concentrated on finding the source of my unease. After a few moments, my ears caught it. One bird was out of sync. All the other birds were singing in perfect unison, but this little guy was half a beat behind. No one else seemed to notice it, so I just kept walking. I still thought it was a bit weird, but oh well. The little guy was probably still learning after all. When we finally found a site we could all agree on, it was almost dark. Chase and Corey started building a campfire while Blair, Aljo, and I began assembling tents. So Jake, Aljo began, you bought the arrows, right? 
course did. Of course, did you bring the bow? I responded. Instead of responding, he, he simply tossed the bow my way. I grabbed it and tested the drawstring. It felt nice and strong, tight but reflexive. It was a beautiful maple wood bow gifted to Alajel by the Navajo tribe we had met a few years back in Utah. I set it down near his tent and got to work helping Blair set up ours. Here, let me get that for you, I said as I hammered a tent spike down. Thanks, Jakey, she said with a smile. I'll go get our bags. Before she could take a step toward the car, Chase showed up in front of her. I'll go with you then, he said, with the creepiest wink I've ever seen. He was a really punchable face, I thought. How about you go get them yourself, Blair retorted with a wink of her own. Chase sighed in defeat and started off toward the car. While Chase was getting our bags from the car, the rest of us sat around the campfire. Corey was talking to Alja with a bright smile on his face as usual. I heard something about it being a nice night for s'mores before I reminded before I was reminded of the redhead sitting next to me. So, Jakey, you need to spend a whole You ready to spend a whole week with us? Blair asked playfully. She said to she said us, but I knew she was more so asking if I was ready to spend a week with her. There's no one I'd rather be stuck with you, I replied with a wink. Her eyes lit up at this and her smile grew wider, making me wonder what I had just gotten myself into. She grabbed my wrist and yanked me towards her tent. Oh, Blair, you sure is you sure this is the best time for this? I asked hesitantly. Oh shut up, Jakey. She pulled me into the tent and zipped away my view of Alto before giving me thumbs up and Corey staring innocently wondering what was happening. I turned around to find Blair Blair uh, tablet in hand. She held it out to me to choose again. Well, this isn't what I thought was going to happen. I tapped on one hand, not much time, and sat down on the tent floors. She sat next to me with her head on my shoulder, and we, we alternated choices in the game. Apparently, this was about someone who suddenly has the power to stop time. My first choice was whether to use my power to help someone, steal from someone, hurt someone, or just restart time. I decided to help someone. Aw, but that's so boring, Jakey, Blair whined. She, of course, used her choice to hurt someone the next time we played. We ended up replaying the game five more times before we fell asleep. When I woke up, I, saw, I could see rays of sunlight peeking in through the small holes in the tent. My right arm was still asleep, so I went to move it, but I couldn't. I looked over to find Blair hugging my arm like a teddy bear. I let out a sigh and gently freed my arm from her death grip. I noticed the dead tablet on the floor and plugged it into a portable charger. I unzipped the tin and walked out into the fresh pine-scented air. I thought I was the first one awake, but that thought was shattered when I noticed some smoke coming from Chase's tent. Really? This early? I relit our campfire and boiled water for some oatmeal. I made sure I had enough for everyone and poured in the packets. In a few minutes, I had two bowls of oatmeal and headed back to Blair's tent. Hey Blair, I made breakfast. She was still asleep. Hey dummy, I got, I got you something. I said as I nudged her to my foot. 
She whined, but not wanting to get go to school today. She oh, she whined about not wanting to go to stu- school today, and try to go back to sleep. I sighed and put the bowl down in front of her face like a dog. She sniffed it a little and opened her eyes. Oh, hi, Jakey, she said as I rolled as I rolled my eyes. I sat down next to her and ate my oatmeal. Well, I guess it could be worse. Throughout the day, we each did various chores and, and ca- around the camp. Blair and Corey decorated everyone's tents. Chase got wood for the fire, and Aljo and I went hunting. Aljo is more familiar with the bow than I was, so I was wielding my knife. The knife, a six-inch bowie, made for an easy kill up close, while Aljo was our ranged predator. So far, all we had seen were rabbits and deer tracks, but neither of the animals that had left We set up some snares for the rabbits and decided it would be best to set up an outpost in a tree to let the deer come to us. We found a decent-sized tree and climbed up to wait in the branches. While we waited on our prey, Aljo was dead silent. I felt calm and focused, like I was a born predator with the hunt. This feeling was quickly shattered, leaving an unease in its wake. My eyes scored the forest, scoured the forest floor for something, anything out of place. That's when I saw it. There was a single deer grazed in the dew covered by the blades of grass. As it gated to another patch of grass, I studied it for abnormalities. The problem was easy to identify as the deer walked differently from any other deer I had ever seen. Its steps were janky, uncertain almost, as if it thought the floor might give out from beneath it. It would tap the ground with its front hoof in one spot, then stomp on the same hoof down a foot away from where it tapped. As it did this, it was making a noise. It sounded almost like a low growl. Now maybe there was an an explanation for its lurching steps, but I know deer don't growl. As I thought this, the deer's head suddenly jerked up towards me and Aljo. My death caught in my throat, and my heart lurched as violently as the deer had stepped. The deer, no, the demon, was now gazing into my very soul with its bright yellow eyes. I couldn't bring myself to look away, that is, until Aljo fired an arrow into the damn thing. The thing let out the most blood-curdling screech I've ever heard before or since. It took off into the bushes and we got the hell out of that tree. That night, we were all chilling by the campfire eating s'mores. Corey and Aljo were talking again and really seemed to be hitting it off. I smiled at the thought of my two friends being happy together. They certainly deserved it. Chase had gone into the woods to take a leak and should be getting back any time now. I started thinking about that deer again. What was that thing? I couldn't have it couldn't have been a deer. I'll try to keep you all set. I was broken out of my thoughts for a small hand gripping mine. I looked to my right to find Blair smiling at me. What you thinking about, Blake? Or Jakey, my bad. <laughs> what you thinking about, Jakey? She asked in her usual playful tone. 
Just how good those s'mores are, I said, with excitement. Thanks for bringing the chocolate. She laughed and punched my arm. You're a bad liar, you know, Jakey. She teased me now. No, 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 really. These are great, babe, I replied in between bites. She laughed again and rested her head on my shoulder. We were all laughing about some embarrassing memory of Chase when we heard an ear-piercing screech. My heart threatened to jump out of my chest and into the fire. It was the same screech the deer had made earlier that day. Aljo and I shared a glance and jumped into action. I grabbed my blade and his bow and his quiver of arrows. We were just about to head out into the woods when Blair grabbed my hand and looked me straight in the eyes. She didn't need to say anything for me to know she was scared. I looked over at Aljo and only received a nod in response. He headed while I sat back down with Blair and Corey. He was capable of handing this on his own, and I couldn't just leave Blair and Corey defenseless. I gripped my knife tighter and tighter as the minutes turned into hours waiting for Chase or Aljo to return. Blair tried to calm me down and assured me everything would be okay, but I knew neither of us really believed that. As the sun's light began to cut through the trees, Chase walked back into camp. I jumped up and rushed towards him. He couldn't look towards me and my steps faltered for I split for a split second. I thought I saw yellow eyes staring at me from his baggy sudden sunken in orbitals. I blinked and they were back into his normal gray. I'm going crazy, aren't I? I thought to myself. Where have you been? I asked I asked in a more panicked tone than I had meant to use. Taking a leak, he said. I thought there was something wrong with his voice, but it was back to normal so so quick that I just brushed it off as me going crazy again. Blair came over to my side and asked Chase some questions, but he seemed to be normal. Corey, Chase and Corey, however, stayed by the now dying campfire. Where's Aljo? He, he asked, fear weighing heavily in his voice. I don't know, Chase responded. With that weird tone again, I made a mental note to remember that tone shift. Corey took a stumbling step backwards. I don't believe you, she screamed at him. That wasn't like her at all. What happened to that sweet little woman who was always smiling, I thought. Chase looked a lurching step. Chase took a lurching step toward her, and I instinctively moved in between the two. two. Gripping my knife with white knuckles, I had seen the type of movement before. He looked me up. He looked at me up and down and walked to his tent. Something's very wrong here. Blair and I spent the rest of the day trying to confront, com, comfort, uh, sorry, trying to comfort Corey and and I, um, and what we could do. We made her some more s'mores, gave her a shoulder massage, played games with her on Blair's tablet, but none of it worked. She just kept insisting that I go look for Alex. I wanted to. I really did, but I couldn't just leave with Chase. There was just something off about him, and I couldn't trust him. It was almost sundown, and Blair was cooking a rabbit over the fire. The sky was a deep pink, and the clouds looked blue against it making it look like a giant sheet of cotton candy. 
When Blair was done making dinner, I walked to the door of Chase's tent and reluctantly called out, Dinner's ready. No response. I tried again. Still no response. My patience was wearing thin, so I ended up at the door of the tent. I looked inside and sprite I looked inside, surprised at what I found, rather surprised at the lack thereof. Chase was gone, and there was a huge hole in the back tent. I had suddenly lost my appetite. The girls ate dinner, and then we all decided to catch up on some sleep and wait for Aljo and Chase to come back. Blair and I went to our tent and Corey to hers. We zipped shut the door and crawled into our sleeping bags. Blair snuggled up next to me as I drifted to sleep. I was awoken by the sound of a screech that sent a shiver down my spine and chilled my blood. I bolted upright and unzipped the tent, rushing out into the cold night air. The moon was light, was like a resplendent glacier gleaming as rays of sunlight dancing through its icy core. I could see clearly in the night, even without the fire, and I rushed over to Corey's tent to see if she was alright. What I found made me almost collapse. Her tent was empty, and in the back was a, ga- was a gaping hole exposing the forest on the other side. I found my knife and sheathed it at my hip. I made I made to leave when Blair stepped out in front of me. You aren't going alone. I'm coming with you, she said. Who am I to stop her? I told her to stay close to me and we started off into the forest. My heart was racing inside my chest to get out of the escape from this damned forest. I dashed through the brush on the forest floor, running for my goddamn life. I had lost Blair for a few minutes ago, but as much as I willed myself to go back for her, my body wouldn't stop running. I was in fight or flight mode, and I subconsciously chose in flight. I kept running until I came face to face with Alajo. I felt relieved at first until I realized he wasn't blinking. In fact, he had no eyes. Oh God, his cheeks were torn into permanent smiles. His eyeballs gouged out and his ears ripped off, leaving only bloody holes uh, on the sides of his head. I looked down on his bo- at his body. His right peck had been cut off, exposing his rib cage underneath his gut agape with his innards spilling out like a never-ending rope that a clown would use. I turned to run to my left but as at, but was met with the body of Chase. It was a similar state of that of Alajo. I stumbled backwards and turned to run the other way but I was met with Corey. That was done to, what was done to her. I won't describe. I already have to see it every night in my dreams. I crumbled to my knees and threw up a little I had in my stomach that was when I heard a familiar voice. Aw, Jakey, you almost got away. I tried to crawl away, but I was kicked hard in the ribs. I rolled onto my back, gasping for air, begging for mercy. Blair slammed a knee down on my chest and thrust an arrow through my cheek. I howled in pain as the blood flowed through my throat. My lungs burned for oxygen as I begged to drown in my own blood. Blair realized this and gripped the arrow in my cheek, using it to turn me on to my side. 
She couldn't let me die now. She wanted to make me suffer. She tore the arrow into my face, leaving a bloody hole in my face. She rolled me into my back and plunged the arrow into my chest and ripped it down my gut, exposing the innards. She proceeded to carve out my gut until she could feel she could fr freely peel off my skin and fat, leaving only the muscle exposed. She then stuck the arrow into my eye and began clawing at the exposed muscle on my abs. Every second was enough pain to make me wish I was dead, but I just needed to grab my knife. She grabbed the arrow again and carved Nile, a Navajo, Navajo word for property, into my right peck. I felt the cold bone mold handle on my blade and gripped it tightly. I brought it up into her eye and dragged it down the side of her face. She recoiled off, off of me and let out that all too familiar screech and took it off into the night. I was found by other campers a few minutes later, unconscious from loss of blood. They had me helicoptered to the nearest hospital. The doctors began surgery right away and miraculously saved my life. You can't trust anyone, I learned that way, that the hard way. Once you trust someone, you become their property. I now know because the scars will never fade. The memories will never fade. My pain will never fade and will always be that thing's property. Wow. What an insane story. Um, that was, I was claimed by a skinwalker from one of my friends. Um, what an insane story. Super long, but it was definitely worth the read. Um, basically, this guy and his girlfriend, evidently, and some friends, they went camping. And the person closest to him was the one that ended up becoming the skinwalker. Very, very crazy shit. But um, that'll, that'll wrap it up for um, episode 3 of season 2 of Unexpected Hauntings. Thanks, guys, for joining, and we hope to see you guys on the next episode. Thanks, guys, and have a great day.